It is always an honor and my privilege to address you in the word of God and the spirit of God. This service is not about me. It's about him. And we got to keep that in the foremost part of our minds. I thank the brothers that they from time to time give this old codger an opportunity to address the congregation because uh, we have that joy in our heart and soul for many years. And we have perhaps uh, been down the trail of life and more successfully than many that are much younger than I. It's always a blessing to see a mixed congregation. There are young couples here. There are couples to be married here. There are teenagers here. There are young college students here. There are mid-aged people here. There are even a few senior citizens here. And so that's all good because that's part of the cycle of life. Now, my message today is regarding new beginnings. As you well know, this is the first day of the week, is it not? And consequently, we mark our calendar. We start with the first day of the week in January 20, 21st, whatever it is today. And then, of course, it's the first month of the year, too, is it not? And we all went through that whole rigmarole of Happy New Year and Blessed New Year, whatever we did. As the Earth completed its cycle around the sun, revolving on its axis every 24 hours, we mark time. And time is something that is, uh, it, it is fleeting. It is measurable to man. Although God said a thousand years is like a, a day and a day is like a thousand years, I think it's irrelevant in the presence of God. But it is important that we understand they were here for just a short time. This is not dress rehearsal. Uh, most of you know that Brother Virgil Link, who is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the San Carlos Indian Reservation, this week was rushed to the hospital. They found him unconscious in his home. And of course, I visited him at Mountain View, and then subsequently, brother, other brothers, Brother Brian and Brother Tim, have met him at St. Luke's. I saw him yesterday at St. Luke's. He was subconscious, unconscious. We didn't know whether he was going to make it or not. In fact, while he was unconscious in the hospital, there was another brother called Jack Kaysen. I don't know how many of you know him, but he's from the reservation. Married to Dolores. And Jack Kaysen did not make it. Jack Kaysen was in Tucson Hospital. So his time on earth is gone. It's over. Fini, it's no more, nada, whatever you want to say. And this is, of course, what we talk about as we come here from week to week and perhaps try to look at a new beginning. How can we start over? Those of you that are in elementary school looking forward to high school, the years roll around quickly. I know I've had experience in that field. And we always marked our calendars at the beginning, first day of school, and they had uh, instruction for the staff and so on and so forth. And the first thing we did was mark their calendars and mark the uh, times that we had off, the holiday period, whether it was Easter, whether it was Christmas break, whether it was the president's birthdays, all that business and more. And then we filled in the other blanks that we had so many meetings on the calendar in certain places in certain regions and districts and with certain administrations and personnel and so on. If you're in the classroom, you put your, uh, you, you put your uh, teaching uh, skills to work, and this song said, 
that we have talents, abilities, and skills, and everybody in this room has teaching abilities and skills. I just want to put a plug in for the greatest teacher of all time that we're here to represent, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. An honorable profession. No one should think that because teaching per se is not something to make you wealthy, that it is not purposeful and very important. You touch a lot of lives in many different ways. So, so in the medical profession. And you can go on. I don't care if you're a taxi driver. I don't care if you're a builder of homes. I don't care if you're a bricklayer or a carpenter. You're doing skills, retail sales, whatever it might be. You're helping mankind and you're servicing humanity. And I've said to many of my students over the years, all work is honorable. I don't care if you're a garbage person picking up the garbage. Somebody's got to pick up the garbage. Somebody's got to be a plumber. Somebody's got to be an electrician. Somebody's got to do these skills that some of us may look down our nose at. But I'll tell you what, in my view, right now my hot water tank has gone out again, third one in 19 years, and I had to hire a plumber, and I was astounded to replace that. We're looking at seven or $800. That's a lot of money when you're on a fixed income. It's a lot of money if you're not on a fixed income. But nevertheless, these are things we used to do on our own when we were more capable and fitting. So there's always a new day and every new day brings a new challenge. And sometimes the challenge looks like a, a stumbling block, but I'm suggesting this morning, all of your stumbling blocks should become stepping stones. Look at it as an opportunity, look at it as a teachable moment, look at it as a challenge that you can accomplish something for another person and fulfill that 25th chapter of St. Matthew that was so near and dear to the heart of our late brother, Wally Sahomsky. And so today, as we think of new beginnings, I want to read some scripture that will point this up. And it's found in the 27th chapter of Mosiah, and better known as the Nephite record or to some as the Book of Mormon. And in this case, we talk about the angel that appears to Alma and the four sons of Mosiah. They were busy. These young men, along with Alma's son Alma, were so involved in trying to attack or destroy the church of God. That was their objective. That was their goal. It was a new beginning for them. It was a new challenge. It was an opportunity for them to try to destroy the philosophy of religiosity and all the philosophies that deal with the kingdom of heaven and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And of course, this is happening in our society today. I'm sure you're well aware of that many Christians are being made uh, buffoons in quotes and made fun of in different parts of the world. In fact, the latest that you're probably familiar with is the vice president's wife who got a job at a parochial school and everybody's making a big deal of the fact that she doesn't have a right to teach at a parochial school. Now why would be anti-God and anti-religion? Is it or is it in flux with some of the millennials, not all, of what has happened with Karl Marx's teachings and socialism to try to destroy the fabric of our society and our civil liberties. I think it's imperative for us to understand that the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion is still part of the Constitution, is it not? And consequently, nobody is this morning bothering us here, they may in the future, but Jesus looked forward and said that, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for they shall see God. 
So persecution is not here in this country. It's happening in China. It's happening in different parts of the world. It's happening in the Muslim countries. Uh, I told this congregation many times, many weeks past, past that my uh, son-in-law works with the, Fox, uh, with the Voice of the Martyrs, has done a lot of work overseas, retired at 58, 59 from the city of Clovis, so he could do more missionary work in Venezuela and South America and different parts of the world. And recently he went to Pakistan. And if you recall, when he was in Pakistan, he was there to speak to the people about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And for them to go from the hotel to the speaking grounds, they were accompanied by 11 people with AK-47s. I didn't think anybody came in today with AK-47, did they? Anybody accompany you to church this morning with an AK-47? I can tell you. <laughs> I know the FBI won't tell us much of anything, but that's okay. We, we appreciate that and respect that. But I can tell you this, and you can confirm it, that nobody in this room was accompanied to this service with an AK-47 or anybody else. True or false? True. And so we appreciate that. But the sons of Messiah, if you look at that scripture, it says, uh, now it says uh, in the 7th eighth, eighth, verse of the 27th chapter, And the Lord did visit them and prosper them. They became large and wealthy people. Think of that and relate it to our economy, our society, our capitalistic system, uh, the life we've had for all these wonderful years. Some of us, I guess, I probably maybe the only one, I know the only one in the priesthood that's an octogenarian. And I'm kind of proud of that in a way, and I praise God for it. I did nothing of myself, but God's gift to us are the years of life and give us the talents, abilities, and skills that we can operate and fulfill his commandments, the best of our ability, lead and guide and represent the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to all humanity. You're not going to hear it much any other place than right here firsthand. And so they became wealthy, became large, and now the sons of Messiah were numbered among the unbelievers. I submit to you there are many unbelievers out there. Now no one is forced to believe anything. As a child, you grow to the age of accountability and you begin to pick up thinking skills and learn the what, the why, the who, the when, the where, and the how. And you learn to do that very early in life. And many parents get upset with their children when they say, why, mommy, or why, daddy? But I think it's imperative that you teach them early that there is an answer to every question. And if you don't have an answer, you say, I don't know, but I will find the answer for you. We all have questions about our relationship with God. We all have questions about the hereafter. We all have questions about the life become, that is to come. We all know that Jesus did walk the earth. That's pretty well factual evidence and empirical evidence to prove that. And he had disciples and so forth. And we know that he was crucified on Calvary's tree. And we know that he left a message for us. And so here the sons of Messiah were numbered among the unbelievers. And also one of the sons of Alma was numbered among them. And he was also named Alma after his father. Nevertheless, he became a very wicked and idolatrous man. In many of, his, many of his words. So we all had a dabbling into sin, and we were created sinners. There isn't anybody in this room that does not commit sin. The question is, is it voluntarily or involuntarily, or do you try to stray away from the temptations of life that you can be a servant and an ambassador 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and set forth a good example for your co-workers, for your children and your future children and your future grandchildren and in community and society. This nation was built upon a simple little three-willed word. In God we trust. And when we do away with that slogan on our coin, if we no longer trust in God, then we're in violation because there was a new beginning when the colonists set forth on this land. And it was led by God to be here. And they put it on our, on our coins and on our dollar bills. In God we trust. Now there's those of you that would have you believe there is no God. And they have a right to believe whatever they want to believe. But if you had a personal relationship with God, can someone tell you there is no God? I don't care if it is the FBI or any other group of people. They have a lot of knowledge and they can look into a lot of things technologically, but they can't tell you anything about God unless they're believers in God. And so I submit to you this morning that it's imperative for you to understand that Alma and the four sons of Messiah were anti-churchianity. Well, I, I'll tell you what. It's very simple in my mind that Christianity supersedes churchianity. Let me rephrase that or restate it. Christianity supersedes churchianity. Now, what is the difference? You say, Brother Tony, what's the difference? Churchianity is the political structure. We all have that. With the 12 apostles, the evangelists, the elders, the teachers, the perfecting the saints, and the political wherewithal, the structure, and the roles that everybody plays in order to make the system work. That's the basic concept of a social system. And so every church has a social system, but so does Kiwanis Club. And so does the school institution. And so does the medical profession. And so does the restaurant industry. And every industry can, you can think about has a delineation of functions depending on the power given to the management, the ownership, the management on down to the person that swabs the floor. And the Church of Jesus Christ is no different in that regard. We have churchianity too. But the thing that supersedes churchianity is Christianity. The gospel message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you don't believe me, look at your Bibles, read the red letter edition, and you'll see what happens. And so they became a hindrance to the prosperity of the church of God, stealing away the hearts of the people, causing much dissension among the people. Is there confusion today about churchianity or Christianity or religiosity? You bet there is. Is there confusion with our young people about the opiate problem that we have, 70,000 people dying with opiate overdose? Yes, there is. Is there a problem about those within any organization, whatever you name it, makes no difference, about those that may be corrupt at the top or at the bottom or in the middle, whether it's law enforcement or whether it's politics or any other group you want to think about? Is there nepotism involved? Is there friendships involved? There are problems on every front. And so it's time that we look for a new beginning, a new beginning that we will serve God in spirit and truth and be to him a people that he wants us to be that we can uphold the standard of liberty and truth and righteousness for all mankind. That is our responsibility. And therefore, it's imperative that we understand that these four sons of Messiah went off on a tangent. And when they went off on a tangent, they tried to destroy the church. Now, we can say, are there moles in our midst? There could be. I don't know. What is a mole? You say, define it. Somebody's trying to undermine the church and the church activities and the church function and the whole role. And is there somebody that creates doubt and fear? Yeah. Could it be the professor? Could it be the teacher? Could it be 
The minister could be the doctor. Could be, it could be anybody. It could be your grandmother. It could be your grandfather, your uncle, aunt. All of those things occur. And therefore, I submit to you it's imperative that you have a personal experience with God or His Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. This is a spiritual setting. And if the Spirit of God does not work in your heart, mind, body, and soul through the power of the Holy Ghost, then it's just a lecture. Then it means nothing. Then it's just a lot of words. And it's unfortunately, we use a lot of words to try to explain the simple concept. And the concept is a new beginning. And so as these, fell, these fellows fell away from the teachings of Christ, they began to work against the principles, the objectives, and the goals of the church. And as he did so, it tells you, I'll just paraphrase it very quickly, because time gets away from us, that they were overcome, overwhelmed with confusion. I submit to you there's a lot of confusion out there today. I don't care if it's a school system. I don't care if it's your family members, if your ancestry, whomever. There's a lot of confusion. And you young people are confronted with that confusion. Take philosophy 101 or 102 and run up the line. The philosophers will destroy your thinking process to such a point that you'll be asked a question to verify everything you believe and substantiate it with some empirical fact or truth or scientific fact. And you can't do that, spiritually speaking. You have to have a personalized experience that drew you into the family and fold of God. Maybe you observed a great miracle somewhere. Maybe you held your baby in your arms like I did my little daughter when she was born. And I wept like a baby, realizing that God gave us the power of procreation and co-creation. And here's a specimen that we had something to do with, with the power of God. Do I understand embryology totally? No, I don't. But is it beautiful? Yes, it is. And so is the concept of marriage. And so we find that these institutions are being disseminated and destroyed in our society. There's anti-marriage movement afoot. And it's not only 50% of people getting divorced that are formally married, but it's 50% of the babies born out of wedlock. Now that tells you a destruction of a social system called family and the family unit. And when that occurs in 20 years from now, I'll be gone, but many of you will be here, and you'll be able to decide whether the family unit still exists, because there's some legislation or movements afoot socially today that you can now just live with someone. It's okay. It's all okay. Fornication, there's no sin. Adultery, there's no sin. Uh, thinking of someone else and, and envying someone else's wife or husband or something, that's no sin. And so that's what you're going to get, young people. And that's what you're going to hear. You don't have to get married. You can live together out of wedlock for as long as you want. Or you make a contract to live together for three years. And after three years, if you're unhappy, you can walk away and there's no divorce involved. And you don't pay the, the attorneys anything. That's what's happening sociologically if you're not aware and politically. Right here as we speak. And so the, the movement is movements against the principles and the teachings of the church. The church of God. Church of Jesus Christ. And so these people were, God had to move, and he did move. He moved in a miraculous way. He let the angel of God confound these brothers. Alma particularly lost his speech. He was struck dumb. Couldn't speak for two days or two nights. And as a result, God got their attention. Now they just resorted back, oh, Maybe we go back to fast and prayer. Maybe we ask God to relieve, relieve give, give Alma the ability to speak again. Now, there isn't anybody in this room that lost their speech. You might have lost part of your hearing. 
But, you know, losing any faculty of the body is tough, is rough. And so we all depend upon the medical field to help us to stay alive and to stay healthy. Wellness, it's called. Ask Brother Dr. Chad, who's in our midst this morning, and other doctors. We want to be well, and I think we need to be well spiritually. Therefore, we have to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the stop, where the stopping points are, where the limits are, and what we can do and what we can't do. So when he was struck dumb, they said, let's go back into fast and prayer. And they fasted for two days and two nights, and finally his tongue was loosened again. But they repented. There was a new day. And it says here, loud and clear, it says that uh, they were born again. I'm turning quickly to the pages. It says, for as he said, I repented of my sins, and I've been redeemed by the Lord, and I am born of the Spirit. And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again, yea, born of God, changed from the carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed as bought back by the blood of Jesus Christ, and becoming his sons and daughters. And thus they were new creatures, a new beginning. There are most of us in this room have gone down to the water to regeneration, and we had a new day and a new beginning in our life, and it's possible for any of us to fall off that wagon, so to speak, and to fall short of serving God in spirit and truth. And so my role today is simply to encourage you to press on. There is a new day. There's a new beginning, a new month, a new year. So big deal is 2019. The only thing good about 2019, my gravestone will say I was born in 1933, but it won't say I died in 2018. That, that, that's for sure. I can tell you that. You can put 2018 there if you want to, but it's not true. We're in 2019. Now, I can't tell you what's going to happen this year because I'm not a prophet. But I can tell you what Jesus said. If you serve me in spirit and truth, as we sang this beautiful hymn, there's a place awaiting you as Brother Wally achieved, my brother Dan achieved, Brother Jack achieved, and others who gone, Sister Amy Cook achieved, her sister Irene a month later, they achieved the prize of eternal life. That's what we're talking about here. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of one family. And from time to time, we feel the spirit of family in our midst and the spirit of God making us one, holding on to the rod of iron as we go through the storms of life and the challenges that come our way. Now we have a new child, a new baby in our house. Now the dyad becomes a triad. Wow, new challenges occur. Now instead of arrows going back and forth, you've got them going six different ways. And if you add a fourth, it becomes a social system that is a quadrad and a quintrad. And on beyond that, you have a social structure that is complex. We had four children in our home. You draw the picture. You draw the arrows of four children and husband and wife. And so when you see that, you recognize it's imperative there's leadership. We need spiritual men to stand up in the fifth chapter of Ephesians and say, you men be the spiritual leaders of your household. Didn't mean you be domineering and strong and your wife is subjective to you. No. But it does say, men, treat your wives like Christ treated the church. And what did he do for the church? He died for the church. Are you men willing to die for your wives? Think about it for a minute. Don't answer because you might find yourself in a real challenge. There are times you'd like to stand up and say, yes, I'll die for her. But the other times you say, no, I don't care what happens to her. You know, it's just amazing. 
it's amazing. But we fluctuate. We, we don't get it together. But the four sons of Messiah got it together, and they repented. It was a new day. It was a new life. It was new hope. It was a new charge. It was a new assignment. It's like you get a new promotion at work. Oh, man, that's, it's exciting. I get a raise. But with it comes the challenge and the fulfillment of your new role and responsibility. And that's the newness of being a father, a wife, a grandfather, whatever it might be. And so we play those roles. And now you're not new, brothers and sisters. Your people have been around for a while. And I'm just trying to get you to think about a new beginning. Even today. I don't care what your mistakes were in the past. That's water in the dam. I talked to a brother recently who came to me personally and told me about all his sins of yesteryear. I said, my dear brother, didn't you go to waters of regeneration? Yeah, I did. Well, is it God? God has forgiven you. That's history. That's water over the dam. You don't live in the past. You live from today forward. Has your wife forgiven you? Has your husband forgiven you? Then you go forward because the law of forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And some people can't forgive other people because they can't forgive themselves. I don't care what mistake you make. I don't care what error you make. I still make them. Even at 85 years old, I still make them. I'm human. I was created a sinner. I didn't choose to come into the world. Did you choose? If you chose to come into the world, raise your hand. I don't think you chose to come into the world. You're here as a result of two people that fell in love or made love. And as a result, God's chemistry took over. Now your role is to find out what the truth is and what your role is and have a new beginning, a new week. And we have a time here. We'll be taking the Lord's Supper. It's a time we'll all kneel and say, Lord, forgive me of my past. Forgive me whatever I did this past week. If I murmured about somebody, if I gossiped when I shouldn't have, or if I found fault with somebody I shouldn't have, whatever sin I committed, Lord, I want you to forgive me and let me start a new today. A new conviction, a new strength, a new promise to serve God and spirit of truth. And as you do that, you go one day at a time. And there's a big saying up there. I don't know who put it up there, Brother Emmett. I give Brother Emmett credit, but I don't know who did it. But it's the scripture. This is the day the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. This is the important day. Don't miss it. It'll pass you by because today was yesterday's tomorrow. And tomorrow is still the future. And for some of us, we looked forward. I never thought after my dad dying at 49 that I would reach the age I'm at. Never. Never. Mom lived to be two months shy of 87. So I trust that God will bless you. That it can be a new beginning for you. A new spiritual beginning if necessary. If you haven't been taking communion, well, you have a chance to have, have a new beginning. You have to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have missed. You know, if you take it unworthily, it's to your condemnation. If you don't take it at all, you're condemned too. So you may as well get on your knees and ask God for forgiveness and say, Lord, I want to do better this year. I'm going to do better this week. And take it day at a time. That's all any of us can do. None of us are perfected at this point, And there was only one that was perfect, and they killed him on Calvary. May God have his blessings, my prayer.